You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Now it's time for a view from Taiwan, and I'd like to welcome back Ross Feingold, Business Development Director at SafePro Group. Good morning, Ross. Good morning from Taipei. Right, well, our most important question is, which of our Operation Santa Claus auction items would you like the most? Well, it depends which one we can mail over here. <laughs> <laughs> so have you seen, are you interested in the tennis ball stool, maybe? That's an excellent one. Yeah, I think so. It's it's a real conversation starter. And um, the toys, if you know any kids, um, are going at a very good price. So just two tips for you there, Ross. Thank you. Okay. And well, Ross, you and our listeners have only minutes left. If you do want to bid on an auction, go to the RTHK Radio 3 homepage, click on the charity auction picture, and then click on auction items. And Ross, as much as I'd like you to bid on one of our items, I'm looking forward to our deep dive into Taiwan. So I can't let you go. You need to stay right where you are. Anyway, Foxconn Honhai is ramping up production in India. Now, data indicates China will still remain by far the main manufacturing location. But do you see a continuing shift away from China? And tell us about how you see this dynamic, Ross. Yeah, there was a lot of media attention around this topic in, in recent days, and uh, it seems like uh, Apple ha has put a lot of pressure on its suppliers, and most notably Foxconn Honai. So uh, a, few sh a few episodes ago, we talked about news that uh, Foxconn Honai was going to expand its manufacturing footprint uh, in India specifically, and, and now it seems that there's been more recent news about why they're doing that. And the, the plan seems to be to shift a quarter of its iPhone production, about 50 million phones, to India within the next two to three years, which is a, a very aggressive schedule. But if that's what Apple wants, then Foxconn and the supply chain will, will probably be able to achieve that. Uh, there, there are a lot of challenges for that, uh, uh, most notably around finding enough employees. Uh, they'll be able to build the factories. It's going to be staffing them. That, that's going to be an issue. They need to be trained and make sure that they actually know how to uh, you know, work on the production line. Uh, but yeah, the target is 50 million iPhones uh, built in India within the next couple of years. Although very notably, uh, the, the companies involved here have also been quite emphatic that iPhones sold in China will always be the ones that are made in China. So the ones that are made in India won't be shipped to China. Well, how about China must be getting expensive for um, to hire talent wouldn't Vietnam, somewhere like Vietnam, be a better option? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that as well. There was some news that uh, the CEO of NVIDIA, uh, Jensen Huang, was was in uh, Vietnam in recent days. Uh, it, it seems, though, that in India has gotten a head start uh, on being a location that is going to have the entire supply chain, at least for the iPhone, uh, because they've already been doing some production there and they're trying to ramp it up. So Vietnam might have lost out on iPhone production, but it's definitely going to be an important place going forward for semiconductor production. Now, South Korean President Yoon is visiting the Netherlands to arrange a chip alliance as Samsung and TSMC battle for market share in the next generation of chips. What do you think will come out of this meeting? 
it, it looks like they're going to announce something called a chip alliance. They haven't uh, really released any details yet. I would expect to see some more details in the coming hours uh, before President Yoon departs from the Netherlands. Uh, but, but I'll just draw a contrast with Taiwan uh, because you know, on the one hand, we have two countries, uh, 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 South Korea and the Netherlands, that deal with each other on an official basis. And obviously, Taiwan cannot do that. So the leader of Taiwan can't fly to uh, the Netherlands for a state visit and, and talk business. So uh, even though the companies from Taiwan or South Korea might have a very close relationship with uh, the, the major semiconductor equipment manufacturers that are located in the Netherlands, uh, but there, there's a political gap. And uh, South Korea, is, with the state visit, it is taking every uh, advantage of that political gap to firm up the, the bilateral relationship and to, uh, again, they're going to call it a chip alliance, and we'll have to see what the details. But uh, even though TSMC has far larger market share for the most advanced chips than Samsung, it's clear Samsung is, is, is not going to rest, and they're trying to close that gap, and they get help from their own president to do that. Well, I, for one, would always go for Dutch chips because they're double fried and come with mayonnaise. And Caroline is going to find me for that bad joke um, in aid of Operation Santa. Anyway, Taiwan disputes poor climate change ranking and opens trading of international carbon credits. Is Taiwan right to dispute their ranking? And how will the trading of international carbon credits help? Yeah, at the COP28, there is uh, something called the Climate Change Performance Index, which was released, and uh, Taiwan's ranking fell significantly. Uh, uh, it's 61st out of 67. And the reason for that is uh, Taiwan's use of renewables is still relatively low. There's something like 2.9% in 2022 was from renewables, and then uh, something like 6% was from nuclear. So you could you could add those together, you'll be over 8% for renewables. But if you don't add nuclear, then it's then the number for Taiwan again, it's under 3%. They're they're certainly ramping up the use of uh, offshore wind and solar here, but the use of coal and natural gas, so the use of the fossil fuels, fossil fuels here in Taiwan, it's still extraordinarily high, and it doesn't look set to change dramatically anytime soon. So, in some rankings, depending on the formulas that are used, uh, but if we're just looking at the actual amount of of coal and and, and gas that Taiwan uses, and, and uh, you know the the fossil fuels, it's going to rank pretty low in these international rankings. So you know, what one way Taiwan is trying to let the world know that it's doing something about this is it launched an international carbon credit trading exchange in recent days. Uh, part of this is in response to what's coming online from Europe in a few years with, with the CBAM uh, rules, the, the carbon border adjustment mechanism, which is certainly something that manufacturers, not just in Taiwan, but everywhere in Asia are going to have to deal with. Uh, but yeah, so Taiwan's making sh uh, some strides with this, and that's why uh, just this week a carbon solution exchange uh, open trading for the first time right we've got about a minute for the last question roth uh, but it is one that really interests me chai a city red light district has passed the motion now i didn't even realize there was a red light district in taiwan roth but then i don't hang around those sort of places can you tell us more about it yeah, actually, there are no red light districts in Taiwan right now. So uh, about 10 years ago, a, a law was passed to allow local governments to institute red light districts, at the, again, at the local level if they want to. But up to now, no municipality has been willing to do that. But there was some news that the uh, city council in Jai City in, in, in 
central Taiwan, they, they've passed a resolution to order the city government to research whether or not they, they could create a red light district. And one unknown question from this is whether it's for domestic tourists or foreign tourists. We'll have to wait and see whether they'll be welcoming you. Well, Ross Feingold, Business Development Director at SafePro Group. I'll still be staying away from that those kind of places. 